Join your friends at the house where 40 taps of premium craft beer are flowing and your favorite football and soccer teams are always on. The Gainesville House of Beer is your game day watch party headquarters. Enjoy free pizza at halftime of every Florida football game. On Sundays, watch every game with the NFL Sunday ticket. Soccer lovers, GHOB is your Gainesville home for the U.S. national team, Orlando City, and all of the EPL action. 19 West University Avenue downtown. And don't forget about our weekly specials found at GainesvilleHOB.com. Listen to The Blitz with Mark McLeod weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 right here on WAOC 96.5 FM and 1420 AM CBS Sports Radio. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. This is the original MyPillow offer. Buy one, get one that you received several years ago. And you can do so right here in St. Augustine with our special promo code, Old City. one 800 299-4393 and tell them Old City and you will get this buy one get one offer. 1-800-299-4393 promo code Old City. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world is MyPillow.com And we welcome you to Mark and the Cranky Fan. You can find our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and uh, Several other places as well. Uh, check it certainly on our Facebook page, the Mark and the Cranky Fan Facebook page, as well as Twitter. And you can follow me on Twitter at McLeod Live. That's M C L E O D Live. You can email me, Mark at BlitzSportsRadio.com. And certainly, uh, if you will, listen to my show Monday through Friday, 4 o'clock Eastern. Uh, we run two hours, and you can find it at 965sports.com. 965 sports.com uh guest list friday tony barnhart will join me on the show so looking forward to having tony on i'm sure i'll have bob redmond on either thursday or friday uh keith jones a former florida state star and analyst for fsu will be on thursday with me so uh you know a lot a lot of good guests and uh i'll be real curious what keith has to say about fsu he's a straight shooter mike uh, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see just what Keith says, but without further ado, Mike Aegis, the cranky fan joins me. How are you, my friend? Happy, uh, happy signing day, Mark. Yeah. It's our, uh, it's our annual Christmas, uh, morning when we get to open up all of our presents. You know, I know now that we have the early signing day in March in uh, December, so it's not quite as exciting as it used to be, but you know. I'm looking back now. I have my Christmas tree up. I'm looking at all my presents, and I am very happy that Santa Claus was very good to the Florida Gators this year. He really was. Um, you know, how many years now I – was, I was thinking about this earlier. How many years in a row, Mike, consecutively, have we, have we sat here and said, well, you know, 
we really missed out on this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy. And don't get me wrong, Florida missed out on some guys, but when you look at the guys they got, um, it, it, it's an impressive list. And and so when you look at, at probably what was on the University of Florida board, they got quite a few of those guys that, that were among their top two or three or four, you know, uh, on that board at, at any given position. So, you know, you, you look at it a whole lot, uh, very, very differently, let me say that, than, than we did before. And then certainly the quarterback position we've been moaning about for a few years. We had maybe one good hit here and there, uh, maybe two. But other positions as well. And we always walked away kind of going, well, Florida met their needs here, here, and here, but they still have some work to do here and here and here. And tonight we're going to say very little of that. Yeah, I mean, for the last several years, it fell into one and two categories. We were seeing the elite players in the in the state and in the country who are deciding between Bama, Georgia, Florida State, Ohio State, and we were not even in that conversation. Or if we were in the conversation with someone at the last minute, you know, Bama decides they want him and Bama gets him or Florida State got him. Uh, you know, look at an example like Alex Leatherwood a couple of years ago where, you know, one of the few times that McElwain actually had a chance and then at the last minute couldn't close the deal. Uh, you know, Dan Mullen is a guy that so far has checked every box that we've wanted for him to be our coach since the day he got here. The, the biggest question we have, and, you know, it's still a fair question to have going forward is, is he an elite level recruiter? You know, not someone just to get us into the top 10, but someone to get us into the top three, top one recruiting. And I know that's very difficult now with the machine that Bama has and the machine that George is getting. Um, but those are our competition. We have to beat Georgia to get to Atlanta. We have to beat Bama to get into the playoff. And, uh, you know, this program is, again, 13, 14 months away from a coach that got fired because he lied about death threats and being embarrassed by Florida State. And all of a sudden now, you know, we're back in the top 10 recruiting. We're back in the top 10 in the, in the rankings, uh, you know. It, it, it's been an amazing turnaround. And, you know, the, the December day was huge. Today was just the icing on the cake where, in my opinion, Mark, you know, the class is a great class. It's not in the super elite, but it's a great class. But all the guys that made the biggest impact for perception, and right now the biggest thing this program needs is the perception that it's on the rise, whether you see it on the field or guys coming here. And guys like getting Elam, Guys like getting the the, the the three from Lakeland. Yeah. You know, you know, guys like Chris Steele. These are high-profile battles and high-profile wants that we wanted. And we got every one of those guys. Flipping guys from Bama, beating Georgia in a, in a head-to-head. All that is is just positive press. And what this program needs is positive press. And we've... We've gotten a ton of it lately, and it's been fantastic. I agree with all your points. The, the one thing I would add is Florida also got some monsters out of the Tri-County area in South Florida where Jim McElwain put in so much of his energy uh, while he was the head football coach here. 
Chris Bogle. We're going to talk about him out of uh, Broward County. You got Elam out of Palm Beach County, and then you got the uh, the two guys out of uh, Miami Dade, Wardrick Wilson, the offensive lineman, and Naquan Wright, uh, the running back. So really, you know, you still kept some really uh, good kids to help your program from the Tri County areas down there. And oh, by the way. There were a lot of schools, including the University of Miami, that would love to have had every one of those kids. Oh, yeah. I mean, if we're rebuilding the pipeline to Lakeland, if we're rebuilding the pipeline to South Florida, you know, we, we have to lock this state down. That's mission one. You know, I'm, you look at the list of the top 10 recruits in the country, and we didn't get any of those guys yet. We're not at that level to pick off, you know, one or two or three of those guys. But you keep building momentum. At some point, you're going to get there. But you know, if you lock down the places where we had locked down when we were dominating in, during the Urban Meyer era, for example, you know, that's how it builds. And this is the prime opportunity with Florida State in the getting more and more of a dumpster fire by the day and by the hour. And we will we will dance on that dumpster fire as much as we can. Uh, this is our opportunity. You know, we don't know what Miami's going to do with their new head coach. Uh, you know, we don't concern ourselves with UCF and USF. They're, you know, still recruiting in the 50s and 60s. So who cares about them? But lock the state down. Try to build that wall around the, you know, the Florida-Georgia border. So, you know, Georgia's not coming and poaching whoever they want. And Bama isn't doing it. And, and Auburn and all the other competition. So, um, you know, this is as good as you could have hoped for for – uh, Mullen's first full class. And now next year in the 2020 class, where he's really built those relationships with these kids from their sophomore year and their freshman year and with these coaches, I'm expecting the jump next year to be a top 10 class to get into that top three, top four level and, and really competing with the best of the best. Let me uh, read something that Larry Bluestein tweeted out earlier today. And, of course, everybody knows Larry Bluestein. He's been covering recruiting, particularly in the state of Florida. He's the best. I mean, the guy is uh, on top of it. He really does a fantastic job of promoting kids from the Florida Panhandle, North Florida, Northeast Florida, Central Florida, West Central Florida, wherever. Of course, he's out of the – down in that Tri-County area, in the Miami-Dade-Broward area, Palm Beach County, where he spends all of his time or so much of his time. But uh, everybody knows Larry Bluestein and Bluestein Recruiting. This is what he tweeted earlier today. Gator football, or at Gators football, are killing it. That's what is supposed to happen when you win 11 games in the Southeastern Conference or any conference. You dominate recruiting. And he finished it off by saying, Florida State and Miami are headed in the same direction. Now, I'm not, I'll take a little difference on that. Uh, they still got a long way to go. But if you look at what Florida did, he, he, he's admitting it right there. He's and he's no Gator fan. Not that he's he, he pretty pretty good about calling it like it is. He really is. I really like Larry and think he does a, a terrific job. But I, I think that speaks volumes, Mike. I mean, would it really shock you in the 2020 SEC championship game to see Florida and Texas A&M in that game? You know, the way – the jumps in the recruiting with new head coaches is, uh, you know, Jimbo is is dominating over there as well. I think they had a top three class as, as well. Um, yeah, that's 
when you win 10 games in the SEC and you win high-profile games like the LSU game, the Florida State game, now granted Florida State isn't Florida State anymore, but still high-profile in the state. And I believe the stat I saw at the time was the last nine winners of that game had a better recruiting class the following February. It means something, that game, you know, for perception and maybe for kids on the fence. Um, it's... Um, it's a step we need to take to kind of get out of that, uh, you know, middle of the pack in the state. And you're right. It's just built to the overall perception of the program. You know, Florida State has more problems right now than they know what to do with. They have one scholarship quarterback right now. One. I mean, I don't even know how you have a program with one quarterback. That's something like you get um, – uh, who's the the, the – Fifth string quarterback we had a couple of years ago, the son of the coach. Uh, Morningweg, way back. Yeah. Yes, now you're Skyler. talking. You're, now you're talking Skyler Morningweg territory as your backup quarterback. Uh, Miami, who knows what Miami? They they panicked and hired a coach that just left him to go to Temple. You know, maybe he'll be better than Mark Rick, but we don't know. They're definitely in a holding pattern right now. So you know, this is you know the opportunity to pounce is here, and we did in the state. So it, it's, it's, it's all good right now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, uh, it, it's awfully good. And you look at what's going on at, at Florida state with their quarterback situation. And, you know, I go back to what you said at the beginning, look how quickly Florida football turned around under Dan Mullen. Look how quickly Florida state football turned around from three years ago where they are right now. Mark, Mark we were, I was just talking to a buddy of mine, in the second and the third quarter of the Florida State Bama game, the start of the 2018 season, we were sitting at a little um, barbecue shop in Dallas. We just got destroyed by Michigan. And we had this press conference with Jim McElwain, where he's distraught as you've ever seen a coach after a first game of the year, watching a one versus three Bama Florida State game. And then unfortunately, Francois blows out his knee. The second that happened, the fortunes of these schools changed. And yes, I know that the 2017 season was a disaster for the Gators, you know, leading up to McElwain being fired, but that had to happen for this program to turn around. And we're all the better for it, for suffering through that to get rid of him and being opportunistic to get a Dan Mullen and look where we are now and look where they are now. And, all the signs look good for us for 2009 and going forward and Florida state, they may be just as bad, if not worse next year. I mean, it, I, I, I am counting the seconds to kick off in, in Gainesville the, the last weekend in November when they come to Gainesville. Yeah. Payback's I mean, going to be a female dog. Yeah. I mean, legendary, uh, the quarterback, um, uh, Maryland, he ended up going with Loxley in Maryland. Maryland, Florida State. Yeah. Mark, when do quarterbacks not go to Florida State and go to Maryland? I mean, that's just that's unheard of. Exactly. You know, can you can you imagine that? Like a a lower tier uh, school like that? It's just it's it's unheard of, and this has happened over two years. Well, they also missed on Plumley, the kid that went to Ole Miss. Um, they they really thought they were going to flip him and, and get him over to Ole Miss, but. He's not going to Florida State. Of course, Francois has been kicked off the team. 
They almost lost Blackman. Uh, what, what a, could you imagine had Justin Black or James Blackman last week told Willie Taggart, no, coach, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I'm going into transfer portal. I'm done. I, I, I just – I'm going somewhere else. And, and he had turned somewhere else. In light of then, days later, the week later, here comes DeAndre Francois with this situation. It would be absolute madness at Florida State. They missed on Justin Fields. They missed on Jalen Hurts. Um, Hawkman transferred their other quarterback who they had on the roster. They they had the kid Howell who was committed to him, who decommitted a long time ago. So, you know, it, it's just for all the talk that we've had for Florida and their quarterback carousel over the past three, four years prior to Dan Mullen going there, may, maybe longer. At yeah. least Florida's, good gracious, Florida's wasn't this bad at any given time, was it? Yeah, Mark, people have a little revisionist history about the Florida quarterback situation in the last 10 years that we did have talent here. It just didn't work out. John Brantley, a five-star. Jeff Driscoll, a high four-star. You know, lots of quarterbacks that through injury or just poor development from the coaching staff or circumstance, how many of them have transferred in the last 10 years? We've had like nine or 10 guys leave. And we had to play a Skylar Mooring League because, quite frankly, we were down to our fifth-string quarterback. They are at that situation now with a, a terrible offensive line. It's not magically going to get better because they had some average to below-average offensive line class going to come in and save the day. You know, and a, and a quarterback who's a skinny guy, he's not that big. You know, if he goes down, they may be running, uh, you know the wishbone every play or something or the wildcat and they're going to be really hurting. So, you know, but here's the other thing I also think about Mark, you, you brought up the scenario of Blackman would have gone to the transfer portal. I think you would have seen a little different way. They handled the Francois situation. If he was the only guy left, I think you would have saw, you know, the Jameis Winston kid gloves treatment with him as opposed to now where they were just like, you know, you're gone, you're a little expendable. So it'd be interesting to see what would have, how they would have handled that situation, especially in light of the, you know, the recanning of the allegations and the, well, the Instagram was hacked and who knows what actually happened. So, um, you know, they are Florida state after all, and they are a little shady. So, well, I thought it was interesting with uh, Willie Taggart's press conference today, he was asked about the quarterback situation, and he said, "Oh well, you know we're 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 going to be all right. We have we have a plan. We always have a plan, and, and we've had this plan together uh, for a while now. Um, but I'm not going to tell you what the plan is. But yeah, we do have a plan. And I mean, to see the FSU fans go ballistic on Twitter and so other social media, they they don't believe him." A lot of the FSU fans out there, they do not believe that Willie really does have a plan. They think it's just coach speak because he's kind of stunned at where they are right now with the quarterback situation overall. Yeah, well, I mean, why would you believe a guy? I mean, uh, he had some big-time quarterback prospects that he was either recruiting, had committed to him, or you know, came in for a look, and he landed none of them. I think the Howell one really screwed them because I think they really thought they were landing him and he flipped on early signing day. And I think they had to start scrambling after that. 
Um, but you know, if you're a big time quarterback, is that really an appealing place you want to go right now? You know, with the offensive line situation they have, the uncertainty, they, they, they dumped their offensive coordinator after one year with, with the, uh, lethal simplicity offense allegedly that we're supposed to have. I mean, it, it's not, you know, it, it's a big, big question mark right now and momentum and perception changes that fast. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do at Willie Taggart. I mean, personally, if I remember back when they announced that the Gators are getting Ron Zook and my first thought was how long will it be before they fire this guy and get rid of him? Because we remember how he was as a defensive coordinator and he got, you know, he just wasn't a popular guy back in the nineties. I don't know how long the Florida state alumni boosters and fan base is going to put up with, you know, Losing is one thing, but that team looks so unorganized, so undisciplined. They a ragtag group. Like how many penalties and lack of discipline on the field, and you're just seeing chaotic, you know, whiffing on recruiting, and they're falling behind Florida very quickly. You know, as a Gator fan, I want him to stay for the next 12 years. But the question is going to be, how long are they going to, you know, put up with him before they they you know, they they pull the cord and move on. Big key for Florida State is Kendall Bryles. I mean, the guy's a good offensive coordinator. He's really good. He's going to have to really make some things work for FSU to uh, do anything, particularly if that offensive line is even closely resembles what it has the past three years. Um, then, of course, you got Miami with Dan Enos. He's another guy that's going to have to work some things out for that Miami offense. Um, because I'm not convinced Tate Martell will be the quarterback. Right now he's not. Uh, obviously, he's going to appeal with the NCAA. And then Nikosi Perry is kind of a train wreck off the field. You never know what the kid's going to do next to get suspended or to get himself in, in, in further hot water. So, interesting. Um, let, let's turn our attention to Florida while we got uh, plenty of time still left in the podcast. But yeah. I, I thought it was interesting – um, 24-7 sports national recruiting guy, uh, Steve Wiltfong, does does a lot of different things for them and, and really writes some good stuff. He wrote a piece titled The Five Big Winners from National Signing Day. First team he hits, Georgia. Talking about the Bulldogs finishing number two, which, by the way, they're number one on the rival spot, I believe. Um, but he, he talked about getting getting – George Pickens, who was an Auburn recruit, Auburn commit, and they they were able to flip him. And now he's going to Athens, uh, where he visited back on January 18th. After looking at Miami, after looking at Tennessee, he looked at LSU, and they were able to get him. And then also uh, uh, Brett Scyther, the, uh, uh, the tight end that they got from Alabama. The number two team he talks about, Florida. And he talks about Chris Bogle, Elam, um, and, and, and the guys that you mentioned, Steele, Hopper, Hill, uh, Black, and, and Debate. I mean, it, it's a really good read. And then number three is Ole Miss. So number four, Tennessee. So the five teams he writes about, four from the SEC. Yeah. I mean, I mean you could feel good about yourself saying we're in the, in the top ten, the number nine class, but then you realize that we're number five in the SEC. And that's, you know, 
is that good enough? If you want to be considered to, you know, to win in Atlanta and get in the playoff, it has to be better. And that's how difficult it is, you know, life in the SEC. We, you know, we love being in the best conference. We love to, you know, make fun of other conferences. We love the fact that all the national championships and all the players that go to the NFL from the conference. But that means you are battling with the big dogs for everybody, every position, every rock unturned. Um, you know, it's interesting you brought up Georgia. Uh, it was interesting when um, th- that receiver he flipped today. You saw some pretty cryptic tweets, or maybe not so cryptic tweets, from some Auburn players uh, insinuating, I don't know, money was involved. Bagman, yeah. Bagman, I, you know, you know, we, we, they recruit on an, an elite, an elite level, and if it's something that's going on, and you know, people are off the record talking about it all the time. I still, and it could be Georgia, could be Old Miss, could be Bama, could be, you know, uh, North Carolina basketball. Why doesn't this ever be reported? It, it's just I don't understand why this is just allowed. We see pictures all the time of players driving around in super nice SUVs and things, and their moms driving in nice cars. And it's like, where did this all come from? And you know, it, it's just it, it frustrates you when you try to have a program that you kind of. You say, well, we're not Florida State or we're not Georgia. We don't cheat, but these guys keep getting the elite players, and it it, it aggravates me. And the other thing, Mark, that aggravates me is when guys flip on signing day. We, we've talked about this before. Every cliche you always hear from these guys are, oh, I have this special relationship with Coach X. Uh, he treats me kind of like it's a father-son relationship. And then on signing day, they flip like the ultimate disrespect to that father figure you had, or they pull the, you know, here's the Georgia hat. Whoops. So here's the Florida hat I'm putting on. And I get it that it happened today in our benefit, but it's just like, you have to tune out a lot of the things these kids say leading up to signing day and until they actually sign. Cause a lot of it's just nonsense. Yeah, you really do. Um, <clears throat> you know, one of the other teams he talked about is Ole Miss and how they got, Ely, the running back uh, from Clemson and Bama, <laughs> or, or Cox, the um, D-tackle from Auburn, uh, that's surprising. It really is how Ole Miss is able to do it. And, and of course, we know they've been burned, too. I'm not suggesting anything, but, um, boy, it, well, it's awfully hard to go to uh, Oxford, Mississippi. Mark, I can suggest it. I'm just a fan that – that stinks to high heaven that they can come back that quickly and start pulling guys like that. That just if something looks like a pig and sounds like a pig and smells like a pig. Pretty good chance it's you know going to be going oink oink. So I just hope that's something where the NCAA just keeps an eye on, especially repeat offending programs like Old Miss. And all of a sudden they're pulling guys and they're you know they have no business pulling. It just it smells to me. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting, but really, also uh, as we before we get totally into Florida, you look at the SEC and look at some of these lists, Mike. I may have mentioned this two or three weeks ago when we did the podcast, but I mean it, it's unbelievable when you look at. Let's just pull ESPN. You can take twenty four seven sports, take rivals, whatever you want to take. Number one, Bama. Number two, Georgia. Number three, Texas A&M. Number seven, LSU. Number nine, Florida. Five SEC teams in the top nine. Also in that top nine, 
Oklahoma, there's Texas, there's Oregon, there's Michigan. That's it. Outside of the top nine, finally, you get an ACC team in Clemson. ACC, outside of Clemson, Florida State dropped all the way down to 19. Big Ten, Ohio State dropped well out of the top 10, and according to ESPN, they have them down at 16. Penn State actually was was rising, 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 and now they dropped uh, down to 13. Um, Washington from the Pac-12 is the next closest team, barely in the top 15, at 15, and there's Oregon at 6. I mean, it's just unbelievable to see how dominant the SEC has always been dominant in recruiting. Don't get me wrong, but but not only are they dominant this year, but the ACC has fallen off, the Big Ten's fallen off, and the Pac-12 has fallen off even further. Yeah, the ACC really, really suffers when Florida State and Miami are down. I mean, those are, you know, really are two of the three flagship football programs in the uh, in the conference and when they are you know train wrecks that they are right now that really really hurts them um i'm going to be really interested to see the recruiting battles between texas a&m and texas going forward because texas made a pretty similar leap like we did this year um, you know getting back into the top 10 having some impressive wins a young dynamic head coach you know in, in herman um so you know before we you know before we crown A&M to be the, the heir apparent to Bama. And I know I just did that 15 minutes ago in my bold prediction, but you know, it's not the cakewalk in the state like they had in the last few years. And, yeah. and Texas is going to be, you know, they have more resources in A&M. They are the flagship school in the state. So that's going to be a, a fantastic battle to watch going forward. Um, Ohio state, you know, the, again, the whole urban Meyer thing with him leaving and who knows what is, you know, story was throughout the whole season, you know, tough to recruit when you have that situation and you have a coach that I, and I know it was in December that they made the call, but that's still so much time you have to make up that, you know, coach established coaches have been there forever. But, you know, the bottom line is the high school talent, the vast majority of it plays in the South. You know, they don't have spring football in the Northeast. I don't think they have much spring football, you know, in the Midwest, the best, talent the best athletes it's all in the southeast and as long as that base is still there the sec which spends a lot of money on on recruiting and facilities and head coaches and and all that it's going to dominate all right let's take a look at uh, some of the or give accolades i guess to some of the uh, kids that the university of florida was able to lock down in this recruiting class and um i'm telling you Pretty impressive group, Mike, overall. When you look at, at Florida, the one area where they missed, and I'll start with that, the one area Florida missed was certainly defensive tackle. Yeah, Florida missed on Charles Moore. Uh, that would have been a guy they, they would have liked to have had. But really, defensive tackle, um, the Gators really came up empty. Uh, and, and you mentioned Jalen Hem- Humphreys earlier. Obviously, the, the big kid from Georgia, you're right. But, but really, they need more. They, they, you've got uh, some kids that could very well leave the University of Florida next year. What is it, three, I think, from the interior defensive line who could uh, be on their way. And that's one area where they would have liked to have gotten at least one more uh, for the future. 
Yeah, I mean that's something that's going to be worked on. It's interesting, you know, if you look at the class, and I'm looking at the 24/7 composite. Uh, five of the seven highest-rated recruits were on the defensive side, which I think is really interesting. You know, we think of Dan Mullen coming here. You think of offense first, um, but they really did a good, especially in the back end of the uh, uh, of the defense. It was a little surprising. To, I didn't realize that. You know, we get a lot of you talk about the quarterbacks are always a big thing, and you know when we get talked about like Zipper and and, and these guys, but uh, it was, it was a defensive heavy class. But you're right. In a three four, you need a solid defensive tackle, and we are thin there. And as we you know continue to build on this three four, it's got to be a priority next year and going forward. Yeah, it really is, and and that's the really the one area. Obviously, they brought in four wide receivers into this group: uh, Jamarcus Weston, uh, R.J. Henderson, who signed today, Deontay Marks, and Trent Whittemore, uh, the coach's son at Buholtz High School, is going to move over to wide receiver. He was recruited as a defensive back, but you know Whittemore, six three, hundred ninety pounds, hundred eighty five pounds, whatever he is, uh, good hands you know, reportedly runs really good good routes, and that could be a plus for the Gators down the road. But uh, that's an area where Dan Mullen even talked about today that, look, we're, we're going to have four senior wide receivers next year, so we're going to need to uh, bring some guys in next year. That's going to be a, a, an area of uh, heavy emphasis. But, again, you, brought, you got four of them this year, if indeed Whittemore stays on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, but, but those are really the only – the only area is, is interior defensive tackle, and then he addressed the area where next year it's going to be so big. One other area, Jalen Jones at quarterback. Um, you want, you would like to get one every year and kind of keep that, that thing going. And, of course, uh, now we look around, and, and they had a decommitment uh, from the kid from Eastside High School, Richardson, Anthony Richardson. But that's because Carson Beck, who was the Florida – Mr. Florida football award winner last year, a kid out of uh, Mandarin High School in Jacksonville, visited Gainesville last weekend, really came away blown away by everybody who's talked to him. And the next thing you know, he's he's out. He's decommitting from the University of Alabama. And now all the recruiting writers are saying, uh, Carson Beck's going to go to University of Florida. He'll be an early signee come December. And uh, that that's a big plus for the Gators again. Yeah, you just got to keep building that room, that quarterback room, with as much competition as possible. Um, you know, you you don't have a crystal ball. You don't know what's going to happen in a year, two years, three years. I mean, look at the guys that Georgia had between Jacob Eason and and, um, and uh, Justin Fields. You know, people transfer, and now we're the trend now is that these guys with that transfer portal and everything, and they're much more lax on the hardship rule to have to sit out a year. You're going to see start seeing free agency. You know, the closest thing to college football free agency that you probably can have. So you better have, you know, one to two quarterbacks every year because in one moment you might have a, a stacked room and six months later you might be in Florida State situation. So, um, yeah, I Richardson's a bit of a surprise. I saw something that he made a comment after Junior Day that, you know, with the whole thing with Beck that he was fine 
you know, with the competition, he welcomed it. And then the next thing you know, I get an alert on my phone that uh, he's decommitting. He's not ruling us out, but how often do you see somebody decommit and then recommit? It's unlikely. So, Yeah, and he's going to be a good one. I really do think he's going to be a pretty special kid. But, you know, you look at Carson Beck, and, and kid kind of checks a lot of the boxes, that's for sure. Uh, more mm-hmm. of a pro-style quarterback, but, hey, yeah, you, you know, you'll – there's got to be some ability for him to run. No question. There has to be. And he yeah, absolutely saw something that he liked in Gainesville. Yeah. I mean, we know with the Mullen offense, there doesn't mean it to be some like a thousand yard rusher at quarterback, but, you know, we talked about this all off season or all during the season that Franks was a lot more effective as soon as he started running more and defenses had to respect the fact that he could run. So you're not going to see any more. You know, Eli Manning statue quarterbacks back there who can't move around at all or doesn't have the ability to run. So, um, Mark, who is your of all the guys we got in this class? Who is your favorite recruit that we got? Wow. Because I have one. I have one for sure. And I'm curious who you like the most. Hmm. I would. I would say right offhand, Dewan Black. Absolutely. Absolutely. That guy. If you Gators have been around for quite a while, remember Lawrence Wright. This guy, to me, has the potential to be a leader and a Gator hero in that kind of ilk of someone who was a vocal leader, who represented the defense. I mean, for all the things that he did during the recruiting process, you know, the most vocal guy on social media, actively recruiting, you know, all the other the kids in the class. Didn't take any other official visits, was in Gainesville almost every week, um, wanted to sign on early signing day, but couldn't, had to get his, you know, grades figured out and situated. And he stuck with it and stuck with it. And, you know, I'm really, really happy for him that, you know, it all worked out and he was able to sign today because that guy's going to be a good one. And I think he's going to be one of those guys you remember for being, you know, a a real Gator. So he's my favorite guy. I'm just really happy it worked out. He got into the class. Yeah. Yeah, and again, you got what four linebackers? I believe mm-hmm. maybe five. And when you run, when you play a three-four, that means you need more linebackers and you need studs. Yeah, they got the Pierre kid uh, from down in Mount Dora. Uh, of course, you mentioned Black, Chris Bogle, six-four, two-fifteen. He may grow into D end. You never know. Uh, Diabate. I'm trying to think of uh, is there some? Oh, Hopper. Yeah, Hopper. Of Hopper. Yeah, yeah. Hopper, Hopper, another one of my favorites, uh, you know, and, and oh, Lloyd Summerall, Lloyd Summerall. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they did. Well, they've got a bunch of linebackers and, of course, offensive linemen, too. Seven. Am, am I right? Seven offensive linemen. Seven offensive linemen. Beautiful. And I believe all uh, five of the seven are four star guys. So we're talking we're talking talent. We're talking raw ability. And that's something where, you know, we're no longer scrambling to fill are, you know, eight deep. Now, all of a sudden, we got guys we don't have to throw in right away. Let's get Savage on for a year. Let's get these guys big and nasty and learning this offense so we can plug them in when they're ready to play. So it's isn't it hard to believe, Mike, that here we are. Dan Mullen hasn't even begun year two. And the offensive line room is there are very few guys left from the McElwain era. It's amazing. I mean, a lot of those guys, granted, we're seniors and, you know, running out of eligibility. And 
But yeah, I mean, we had to play these guys because we, you know, A, didn't recruit well the position and B, we had depth issues. We, how many times in the show we talked about when McElwain started, he had six guys and, you know, we saw once they had, you know, a really good offensive line coach, a really good strength and conditioning guy, take what he had and mold it into an adequate SEC. I mean, would you even say, Mark, more than an adequate SEC offensive line last year? I mean, they did a really good job protecting Franks. I think was Franks, did they lead the nation in fewest sacks on third down? It was something crazy like that. I mean, that's that's a tribute to the offensive line and working with not elite level talent. I mean, one one guy came in as a five star, but a lot of these guys were three star guys coming in. And now you're seeing this next wave of offensive linemen, four star, four star, four star, four star. And we'll be in the mix going forward as we continue to see improvement on the field. That's when you start seeing the five star guys get into the mix and we're battling with the elite to get the elite guys. Yeah, it's just a really good look for the University of Florida on an offensive line because, yeah, there'll be some struggles next year, but in 2020, 2021, 2022, it ought to be an awfully good offensive line uh, after the, some of the struggles that they'll, they're bound to endure next year. Yeah, but the good thing I'm, I'm kind of hanging my hat on a little bit, Mark, is that a lot of the guys are coming into play have been in the system already. So they've gone through – it'll be you know, 18 months of being in a, an elite strength and conditioning program and learn, being in this offense for a couple of years now. Now, they may not have the game experience, but we're not talking just some rubes coming off the street. We're talking about guys that have been you know, getting great coaching and great strength work. So I, I would think – I don't think the drop-off is going to be as bad as you know, a lot of people are expecting – especially as we get on into the middle and later part of the season. Uh, Because quite honestly, the talent's going to be better than it was. It may be raw this year, but inexperienced. But I'm not as concerned. And also having an experienced quarterback. Now, you know, say what you want about Franks and the inaccuracy, but he's going to be a guy going into his second year with Mullen, a lot of game experience. I I think you're going to see more maturity out of him. And that's going to be huge as well. We're, we're not throwing in a, 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 a raw freshman or first-year starting quarterback back there. So I, I, I'm more optimistic than I think a lot of people are how this offense is going to run next year. Well, I, I, I'm not as confident as you are. I think there are going to be some, some peaks and valleys uh, early in the season. There are going to be some bumps in the road. There's no question about it. But, but again, you trust Hevesy through it. Mm-hmm. to keep working with these guys. And to your point, you know, you got Chris Bleich back, Brett Hagee back if he can keep him healthy, Griffin McDowell if he can stay off the scooter and get healthy, <laughs> um, uh, Richard Goriage, Stone Forsyth, uh, Noah Banks, another big addition from Pensacola, the Juco All-American who they signed last year. So you do have some talent there. And, of course, they'll have Nick Buchanan back at uh, probably at center. So there, there, there is some guys to work with, but uh, the, it's going to be a lot of inexperience and a lot of depth. And honestly, those guys just have to grow up. Yeah. And there also will be competition too. 
This is not a situation like 2015 where it was like, well, you guys are the starters and there was no fear of not performing or executing that you're going to sit on the bench. There's a lot of guys in that offensive line room now and they will be pushing each other. So that will, you know, kind of help that process move along. And I agree with you, Mark, there are going to be growing pains. That's, that, that wasn't inferring like they're going to come in and all of a sudden be the seven you know, blocks of granite. But I like I, – I don't think it's going to be you know, the sieve we saw a couple of years ago with you know, you know, an, an open shot at the quarterback you know, more often than not. And I think as we get into the middle and later parts of the season, I think you're going to see that growth you know, keep going. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting group. And, and I'll say this. I don't don't be surprised if after spring practice you see one or two of those offensive linemen leave who've been on this roster for a little while. Don't be surprised at all because I, I think they're they're not going to move up the depth chart or or be on that depth chart where they think they ought to be, given that, that you just graduated Ivy Jordan Johnson and Taylor uh, went early, uh, and and oh by the way T.J. McCoy left the program. Uh, because for in search of more playing time. So I, I think there are going to be two guys on that offensive line who say, wait a minute, we should have uh, moved up, uh, but we're not, we're not getting the reps because we're not even, you know, we, we may be number two on the depth chart, but we could, we, we could just as well be number three. And I think they're going to see the writing on the wall and leave the program. And that might be in the best interest of everybody. If that happens, it better, if they think they can play somewhere else, good for them. Yep. It, op- it opens up more uh, scholarship spots for us going forward, too. So, you know, right. sometimes. And the last thing you want, Mike, and you know this, I- I'm sorry, didn't mean to cut you off, mm-hmm. but the nope. last thing you want is, and I hate, hesitate to use the, the phrase, but dead wood on your on your depth chart or on your team. Look, you're, you're, if your chances are better to go play somewhere else, by all means do it. Um because if you're not competing for a starting job, you're in the wrong place. Yeah, and Mark, you know, as excited we are about last year and as excited we are about signing day and everything, this is a program that is still in the rebuilding process. Now, the results have been better than we thought after year one, but there is still, you know, a lot of talent upgrades that are required on the roster from position one to position 85. And if we have guys that are, you know, are not in the plan to be starters or in the rotation, whether it be an offensive line or wherever, you know, you're right. It's, I hate to say it, but kind of just dead space on, on the roster and it's wasted scholarships. There's only an, a finite amount. You know, this isn't, you know, Bear Bryant in the 50s with, you know, 150 scholarships. This is, uh, you know, every scholarship counts. So it, it's, you know, not the worst thing in the world. And again, if they, a particular player thinks it's in his best interest to go somewhere, whether it's, you know, another SEC school or maybe Division One AA or wherever, and he thinks he can play and continue his education and maybe get a shot at the NFL, you know, God bless him. Long as you're not going somewhere that, you know, is going to, uh, you know, bother the Gators, you know, or, or compete with us or something. So, um, you know. It's, it happens with every new coach, and it happens when you increase the talent level. Yeah, it really does. And, uh, look, it's Nick Saban weeded it out years ago, 
We've seen other programs do it. They've done it a little bit at the University of Florida when they've been able to. So, yeah, it's big. Um, you know, they, they really addressed about every need. Again, interior defensive line is the one area where they would have liked to have gotten uh, somebody else. And one guy to keep an eye on is Parker Braun out of Georgia Tech. He, his dad, his brother was here last weekend for junior day for the University of Florida. Parker Braun, a kid who uh, first team all ACC last year for the Yellow Jackets at offensive guard. James Bates tweeted out, of course, Bates, former Florida star linebacker who um, has covered the ACC now as an analyst and says, look, I've seen Parker Braun play. That kid's a stud. And if Florida were able to get him, that would be a huge plus for Florida. There's probably a plug-and-play guy, uh, Mike. And and remember, they have one scholarship that I can think of remaining from this this uh, signing day. So why not? Uh, hopefully Parker Braun will not opt to go to Texas or – uh, one of the other schools that he's looking at and uh, liked what he saw in Gainesville last weekend. Oh, Batesy, you know, another guy in that Lawrence Reich ilk of just, you know, real cheerleaders for the program. So I was actually thinking about him when I was thinking about my Lawrence Wright impersonation. But uh, yeah, I mean, the two biggest changes in college football in the last several years have been this transfer portal and kind of, like I said, the relaxing of the hardship rule to make it easier for guys to go somewhere next year and play immediately besides just the grad transfers um, and the redshirt rule where you really, you can, you know, lease with the option to buy it for a season, you know, have players play four of 12 games. And I think Mullen played it like a fiddle this year, the way he used like Emory Jones and, you know, some of the other guys, Jacob Copeland for getting their feet wet. Um, you're really going to see a lot of changes in college football in the next few years with, Coaches becoming masters of, um, you know, picking grad transfers and 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 using red shirts and you know, and kids, you know, deciding if they want to leave in the middle of seasons and stuff. So you're going to see more and more player movement. Um, you know, it, it's you're you're dealing with 17, 18, 19 year old kids where they commit and decommit four times before they sign on the dotted line and you know. Who knows how happy they are going leaving home for the first time in a different place. So, you know, we're going to need a new metric besides just, well, this this had the number eight class, you know, in 2017. And now how are they doing three years later? Because what a roster is going to look like in four years is a lot different than the guys who sign on signing day. Yeah, it really is. Any final thoughts as we wrap this up? No, I mean, I think, you know, if you're looking at the big picture of Dan Mullen from, you know, the day he was hired to right now, I I think right now we are slightly ahead of schedule than what I thought. You know, my plan when we first got him was I was a little skeptical of him. I think a lot of that might have been his personality more than anything. Um, you know, we knew he was a good coach. He, he's I think he overachieved with that class last year. My one question mark has been and. I think we'll continue to be a little bit, is he an elite of elite recruiter? And I think he took that first step with that first real class to say, you know, we are, he's bringing Florida back to a place, you know, we'll own the state and we'll compete nationally. Um, I'm going to be very interested to see what happens in the 2020 class. If we take that next leap from being a top 10 class and, 
you know, the fifth best in the SEC to be a top five or a top three and be one of the, you know, two or three best schools in, in the SEC. So, you know, I would, my fellow Gators, I wouldn't say right now that we're back, but we are definitely getting back. And that, you know, makes us count the days and the weeks before we play Miami and Orlando. Cause I, I don't know about you, Mark, but I'm, I'm ready to book my flights. I'm ready to get down there and get the season started. Cause it's the first time in a long time I've felt that way. Yeah. Thank goodness. We'll have some spring football this year. Um, in, in the, uh, with Spurrier and company in Orlando with the Apollos, but, but still I, I'm really, I am really eager to see what happens at spring practice for Florida. Cause remember so many of these guys are early enrollees. It's going to be fun out there. And look, we're going to need a program. Uh, if we're going to watch this stuff, uh, because there's going to be a lot of new faces out there. But uh, next week, let's do this. Let's talk about how the roster has changed from just the, that final game with Jim McElwain to what it is right now with Dan Mullen. And again, Mullen hasn't even begun year two yet. So uh, that's, that's one thing we need to talk about. Absolutely. And just kind of uh, where we were and, you know, yeah, I mean, it's a, it'd be unidentifiable, I think. You know, if McElwain walked back on campus now, he probably wouldn't We'd know just, and it's only been two classes really. So yeah, I think it's a really good exercise as we start our season kind of analysis of, you know, what's going to change next year, what, you know, our position uh, reviews and previews. So I I think that's a great way to start. Absolutely. Again, listen to the show, if you will, four o'clock Eastern Monday through Friday, you can catch it online at 965sports.com. We'll talk a lot of recruiting the next couple days. And, of course, follow me on Twitter, if you will, at McLeod Live. Mike, uh, throw everybody your information. And for everybody out there, thank you for listening to the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. And please pass it along to your uh, Florida friends, your your coworkers, your neighbors. Uh, we certainly would appreciate it. Sure, Mark. Uh, you could catch me, as always, on Twitter, at the Cranky Fan, where, you know, a lot of talk now about Florida football recruiting a lot of talk about my tanking new york knicks as i hope they lose every game for the rest of the year and get zion and get all the free agents and i can be somewhat happy again in the in the middle of the winter up here in the freezing cold um you can also check out my companion podcast the just giants podcast where me and the football grump discuss all things new york giants so um hopefully you can check that out um that podcast and this one are available on iTunes and SoundCloud. If you could subscribe and download and give us a nice five-star rating and a nice review, uh, the more ratings and reviews we get, the more Gator fans we can talk to. So we appreciate all of your support. So for Mark McLeod, this is the Cranky Fan saying, Go Gators.